We are privileged every year we have our missions conference to have a special keynote speaker who challenges us with the call of missions, who encourages us with what God is doing around the world. And we have such a speaker with us for this conference, Dr. Ron Klein. As far as I can tell, this is his third trip to be with us at South. And every time he has stirred our hearts as he opens up the word of God. He's a man with a lot of experience in the realm of missions. He started out actually as a youth pastor and then was a pastor and an educator. And today I believe he's one of the greatest missionary statesmen we have in the Bible-believing church. So it's a real privilege for him to be with us today. He served as president of HCJB for over 20 years. That ministry is now called Reach Beyond, and he serves as their global ambassador. What you may not know is that in his early days, he auditioned for Lawrence Welk. I'm glad he didn't get that gig. He's been doing something far more important. And we are privileged, as I said, to have him here. Let's give a warm South welcome to Ron Klein. Well, hope you don't hold that against me. Lawrence Welk. About three months after that audition, and before the response of the audition, I met Christ, and he just changed the total direction of my life, and here I am talking about the audition, uh, and I'm so glad that that didn't work out. You're, you're absolutely right. HCJB is no longer, uh, well, it's still HCJB in South America, Achisejota Bay, um, but up here it's called Reach Beyond now. And Reach Beyond is a ministry of radio. We have about 500 radio stations all over the world in many different languages, hundreds of languages, all run by national churches. And so we get to encourage the national church to reach out to their community. And then we also come alongside and put in clinics beside those radio stations, medical clinics, so they can be the hands and voice of Jesus, we call it. And uh, we love doing that, and that's what my wife and I get to do, uh, go around and encourage those people who are doing those things. So uh, if you want to know more about uh, Reach Beyond, you can go to reachbeyond.org, and that'll bring up our page, and you can look at all the stuff that's going on in the countries that we serve in and where those radio stations are. And Some of them will be a little asterisk because we don't name the country. They're very um, hard uh, countries to operate in, and yet we have partners that are willing, like Iraq. We have four radio stations in Iraq. You won't see that on our website because it's just a hard place to serve, but I'm not going to tell you where they are, so you, we're not in trouble with this. Um, if, if you have a chance after the, the session, I would encourage you to stop at the tables out here in the concourse, spend some time visiting with those missionaries, asking them what's going on in their country. Now, don't be afraid that, you know, it's, like, it's not like the fair where you walk by and if you even glance at something, six people jump on you trying to sell you something. It's not like that. If, if, if in the concourse you go up to the table and actually look at the material, I think you'll be encouraged by what's going on and, and maybe even see something that you, you want to pray for. And that would be a, a real encouragement to those people as well. Well, we're celebrating 50 years. 50 years ago, an anthem, anthem was written that has influenced our lives incredibly. You might not even know it until I remind you of the anthem 
but you might not even recognize it because it's an anthem that was written, we think, for the young people, but all of us have bought into it. Two guys wrote this anthem. One guy's name is Keith Richards. The other guy's name is Mick Jagger. Ring a bell? It's a group called Rolling Stones. Now, I'm going to see how hip you are. Because all the other services know this anthem. And I think you know it too. It goes like this. I can't get no... Look at that. See, we all know it, don't we? I can't get no satisfaction. These great musicians then added a little refrain on it that says, I try, I try, I try, I try, four times. And then they remind us, I can't get no satisfaction. And unfortunately, you and I have bought into that. We're not satisfied people. In fact, we complain about everything. We mumble about the weather. We mumble about church. We mumble about grocery stores. We mumble about cars. We mumble about traffic. We mumble about everything. Everything. We're not satisfied people. We think that new car will do it. It doesn't do it. We think a new house will do it. It doesn't do it. We think that toothbrush that they advertise will do it. It doesn't do it. We're just not satisfied people. Jesus comes along and he shares with us the secret of satisfaction. It's really a cool story. You'll find it in John chapter 4. And it took place at a well. In verse 4, the Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria. But we know he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, most Jews didn't want to go through Samaria. What Jesus should have done, he's going from Jerusalem up back up to Galilee, is go down to Jericho, hang a left, weave his way up the, the Jordan Valley, sleeping someplace, eating someplace, until he gets to the Sea of Galilee, go again to the left and up to Capernaum. That's, that's the course that he would take about 60 miles walking. Jesus should have done that. But instead, the Bible says he had to go through Samaria, which means he had to leave the Jordan Valley, go up a hill to a pretty barren part of the, the country, hot. And there were Samaritans there who didn't like Jews, so he wasn't treated well. Maybe people even spit on him. Maybe they they refused to give him food, maybe whatever. It was not a good place, but Jesus had to do this. Why did he have to do it? And I think he had to do it so that we could talk about it today. Because he gives us, in this story, the secret of satisfaction. Now, when he gets up there to Sychar, the little village up there, there's a well that Jacob had put in there. And so he goes to that well. People have already used it and are gone because it's, it's almost midday. So he, uh, he gets there in the heat of the day. The people have come early in the morning. They've gotten their water. They're back home now. They're preparing meals. And Jesus sits down on the edge of the well. His disciples go into town because they're looking for food. 
I mean, they're preoccupied. You ever meet, met somebody like that? They, they just can't even fathom doing something until they've had food. They've got to have food. They might have just had some food, but now they've got to have some food again. And so they, they go, they've gone into the, the village. And maybe they're going to face some, some hassles when they try to get their food. Jesus is sitting at the well when a woman comes. She wasn't there when the disciples left so, because we see that they're surprised that she's there when they come back. So she comes and Jesus is just relaxing there by the well. And the Bible says it's about noon, verse 6. Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman knew all the rules. So she says, well, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. And besides that, you're, you're a man and I'm a woman. <laughs> this can't, you can't be asking me for water. You can't even be talking to me. You're not supposed to do this. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus started explaining things to her in a very casual way. It was not confrontational. I know sometimes we think when we as Christians talk to non-believers, it's, it's going to be a confrontation. We've got to win the argument. My goodness, that's, that's the worst way to think about it. The way we do it is we just share with them what we know about Jesus. It's very relaxed and casual. It's not confrontational. It's not programmed and deliberate. It's, it's a relaxed conversation that just lets what we know come out of us. And that's what Jesus did here. And we see her whole attitude change. Look, look at her attitude. She starts with verse 9, oh, you're a Jew. I'm surprised it isn't a lowly Jew. There, you're a Jew. That's how she saw him. She had him in a box. That's all he was to her. But by verse 11, she's saying, sir, there's a little level of respect here. There's, she's discovered something about this man that is intriguing to her. He's nice to her. He's, he's kind to her. And, and she's, you know, nobody else will talk to her. She's come to the well at noon because she doesn't want to deal with the looks of these women because she's, she's had five husbands and the guy she's living with isn't her husband. And, and I mean, she's not a very nice lady. And these people maybe even pull their children away from her when she comes. And she just, so she comes later in the day when nobody's there. And, and this man is so kind and suddenly he's a sir. And then down in verse 19, she says, well, sir, I can, I can see that you're a prophet. Suddenly he's a religious sir. He's more than just a Jew and a man. He's, he's a prophet. He's talking to her about satisfaction in her own personal life, satisfaction in how she feels about herself, satisfaction in, in her relationship with God and how she worships him. He's, he's talking about stuff that nobody else talks about. And finally, look at, look at verse 25. This woman, a Samaritan woman, says, I know that Messiah, Christ, is coming. And when he comes, it's going to be kind of like this. He's going to explain everything to me. Jew, sir, prophet, could, could you be the Messiah? Wow, 
And Jesus, for the only time in Scripture, the first and last time, not on the temple steps talking to all the Jewish people and not up in Capernaum talking with his disciples, but at the side of a well talking to a loose woman, says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I'm the Messiah. Can, can you imagine? I mean, can, can you imagine the moment, the silence, the shock, the surprise, kind of like the end of the football game yesterday, <laughs> when nobody knew what to say? How could this be? This, this is so unusual so different, speechless. The woman gets up and goes into town. She can't wait to tell people. At that very moment, the disciples return. They've got food. That's all they're thinking about. So they say to Jesus, Rabbi, verse 31, eat something. Jesus says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. You see, Jesus has just seen a woman's life change. That satisfaction is much more than a roll or a fig or a date. It's much more satisfying. I don't need any food. I have food that you don't understand that gives me satisfaction. And the disciples didn't get that at all, so they're thinking he's hiding food from them or that somebody brought him food but didn't bring them food. And then Jesus explains satisfaction. So let's quickly go through this. My food, he says, my level of satisfaction is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, satisfaction is not what you have. You'll never be satisfied with your money. You'll never be satisfied with anything. The minute you buy that new car, uh, a nicer deal is going to come along. The minute you buy that new house, it's going to be wrong in some way. The minute you buy, get that new job, it's not going to be all that you dreamed it was going to be. The satisfaction doesn't come in what you have. The satisfaction is, comes in what you do with what you have. Jesus is saying that. I was sitting here at the well. I was just talking to this woman about God and about life. And you know what? She bought into it. And she's going out there right now telling everyone what she heard here. Could it be any better? I am so satisfied with what's just happened. When was the last time you felt that? When was the last time you felt you had served the Lord? He says, uh, the will of him who sent me. I think you all understand that you're not here by accident, that God's design is involved in your life. He created you. He put you here. I know you can look at a lot of coincidences that gave you that job, that bought you that house, that even brought you to this church, that maybe even brought you today. But they're not coincidences. They're called the will of him who sent you. He's 
putting you together so that you can finish his work. That's our assignment on earth. Not to build our own kingdom, not to be comfortable and survive. Our assignment on earth is to finish his work. And what is his work? I am not willing that any should perish. You and I both have friends that are going to perish. And I want to tell you, John 3.16 is a powerful verse because it talks about that we believe we will not perish. Perishing must be bad news, folks. It must be really bad news. Then Jesus said, I know you're going to procrastinate on this. You're going to be saying there, oh yeah, I need to do more. I need to tell those people what I know about Jesus. I'll start doing it later. I'll wait till the opportune time. I'll do. Procrastination is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. God speaks to us to do something. We know that it's to glorify him. We don't even have to pray about some things, you know. The devil will never tempt us to tell somebody about Jesus. He, he never will. In fact, he'll never tempt you to put money in the offering. You don't have to pray about that little voice in your head saying, give more. That's God. The devil will never do that. He'll never tell you to do a Bible study or mentor somebody or encourage somebody or do an act of kindness. When that voice comes and you have that whisper because that's the faithfulness of God, that's God asking us to help finish his work. We may not even know what it's going to mean. What we tend to do is begin to look out there and judge. Oh, that person earns it. Oh, that one doesn't deserve it. No, I don't like that person. I'm not going to tell them. Well, that's ridiculous. God loves them all. And he uses us to finish his work. And we say, yeah, yeah, great idea. But I'm not going to do it now. I'll do it later. And then we never do it, right? We never do it. Number three, he says, so open your eyes and look around. Look at your family. Look at your friends. Look where you work. Look at the fields. They are ripe. Did you know there are people out there just waiting to know what you know about Jesus? Now, they probably won't say anything to you, but they really want to know what you know. And I'm going to tell you, go tell them what you know. Because our verse for the theme of our conference, praise the Lord, all you nations. Applaud him, all you peoples. Why? Because he is, his love is great toward us. He loves all of us. In fact, he loved us when we were really bad people. He loves us when we do really stupid things. He loves us. He loves that person that we don't care about. He loves them. And he is faithful toward us. His faithfulness endures forever. He will faithfully be with you. When you open your mouth to speak, you may suddenly hear stuff you did not know you knew. I've had that happen. In fact, I wanted to stop and write it down so I could remember it. It was really good. That's God's faithfulness, folks. Some of us don't share our faith because we're sure they're going to ask a question we can't answer. We're going to be embarrassed. Nonsense. Not with God standing right beside you. So let's do a little quick journey. I just want to tell you what you're not going to see on CNN. 
I want to tell you about Nepal. I'll talk a whole lot more about Nepal tonight because I want to tell you about the whole earthquake thing and what the church of Nepal is doing. But in 2008, there was not a church of Nepal. 2008, seven years ago, no church of Nepal. It was a uh, Hindu kingdom. And if you were a Christian, you were either in jail or out of the country. You could not be a Christian in Nepal. 2008. It's a great story. But today the church is just going crazy and Operation World says it's the fastest growing Christian community in the world. Nepal. Because of what God is doing through Christians just like you. People who have only had a Bible for a few years only know a few stories from it, but they're telling other people about Jesus. It's an exciting place to be. We have eight radio stations in there and we just tell stories of Jesus all day because we know they haven't read them. So we just tell them about this Jesus that we want to talk about. And it's amazing what's happening. But I'll talk about that tonight because I've got some pictures that I want to show you. Uh, but let's go over to where are we going? Uh, we'll go to Africa. 20,000 people will say yes to Jesus today in Africa. So 20,000 people will say yes to Jesus in Africa today. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's good news, folks. We can't do that. We can't make that happen. God is doing that because he loves people and his faithfulness endures forever. He has not given up on the people. We have, but he hasn't. And he is roaming the world, storming the world, changing lives. 20,000 in Africa. Indonesia, the biggest Muslim country in the world. We have 55 radio stations inside the biggest Muslim country in the world. I, I can't even begin to tell you how we got those in there. Talking about Jesus in Muslim country. Last year, we documented, the radio stations documented, two million Muslims saying yes to Jesus. Two million saying yes to Jesus. That's one every 15 seconds all year long. We can't do that. God did that. God still is reaching people and trying to finish the work. South America, the church is growing faster than the rate of population. It's just, it's just booming in South America. Now they're sending missionaries out to uh, the Middle East because the complexion and the cultural experience is about the same and they mix in so well they don't even know they're foreigners when they've learned the language. And it's amazing. Sao Paulo, Brazil had a march for Jesus. There's a little baby church in Sao Paulo, Brazil and they wanted to have a march for Jesus. Pretty brave because people would throw things at you if you march for Jesus. And they got, uh, they got their little group of people on such and such a corner and they advertised that they were gonna meet on that corner and march for Jesus and, and they're just gonna be bold. They just decided it was time to take a stand for Jesus. And so through the center of Sao Paulo, they, they gathered together and, and the, the 100 came and 200 and 300, and they don't march, you know, they dance. They, they Brazilians can't walk, so they dance when they move. 
So there's always drums and a lot of music, and the drums arrived, and then more drums arrived, then more people arrived, then more. Three million people joined the March for Jesus. Is that good? That's good. That's God. God is doing his thing. Iran's in the news today. It's all over the news, and it's sad, but I want you to realize 500 Muslims will say yes to Jesus this month in Iran because there are Christians there still standing up for Jesus in a really tough place to be a Christian. But they just tell people what they know about Jesus, and the people respond to it in a very tough place. There's a church in every village of, of Iran now, and those churches will be meeting at 2 o'clock on Tuesday morning because they can't be seen as a church. They meet in a house or under trees or in the back of a factory or someplace. So bold. They've discovered satisfaction, and they're willing to do anything to keep it. And people want it, and they find it in Jesus. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be satisfied in your relationship with Jesus. May he be everything to you and all your satisfaction. Let's go, let's go one more. Let's see. China. Well, we're going to talk more about China because i got some pictures of China. China sends out 10,000 missionaries every year. 10,000. This is the third year they've done it. That makes them the biggest sending country in the world. We're still talking about communist China. They have a church in communist China of 180 million believers. That's the biggest Christian community in the world. Communist China. Doesn't God have a, an amazing sense of humor? I mean, he's not limited by anything. He's not limited by, oh, you can't do that here. He's not limited by, oh, what will people think? He is not limited by anything. We're going to talk more about that tonight. One more. This is a fun one because it just happened. I'll jump down here to Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea just made a rule that the Bible has to be taught in every school. Does that sound familiar? We're going this way and they're going this way. I think they've looked over at us and said, whoa, we don't want that. And so they just made a rule, Bible in every, every, every school. So Jesus comes along and says, okay, if you're serious, if you're serious, now I know some of you aren't serious, you, you would rather be spectators than be involved. You'd rather sit and cheer and watch, like, like we talked a couple years ago, sitting on, like, watching a parade go by. Jesus is going by, changing the world, and you, 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 you'll sit and watch. But some of you are so unsatisfied with your lives, especially your walk with Christ, that you're saying, I need to do something. In fact, I want to do something. I want to get in on this. And here's what Jesus said in the same passage, chapter 4. Let's look at what he says. He says, I want to remind you that we're dealing with eternal life. We're dealing with eternal life. We're not talking about a momentary decision. We're not talking about helping somebody have a satisfying day on Tuesday. We're talking about helping somebody have a satisfying eternity. Now, do you care enough about your friends to help them have that? Or are you willing to let your friend or your family member 
because you're afraid of what they're going to think or afraid of rejection to miss out on a satisfying eternity. As I told the other service, I think the difference between the eternities is the fact that God is love, right? Everybody agree with that? God is love. Bible tells us that. He's the author, the creator, the controller of love. He is love. We all know that God will not be in hell. Can we agree on that? Okay. Therefore, there will not be any love in hell. Can you imagine spending eternity with anger and resentment and bitterness and hostility and hate? Do I have any friends that I want there? Now, there's a whole lot more to eternity than that, but that's the simplest way for me to describe it to my friends. They all want to be basking in love and joy and peace and satisfaction, all the things that are with God. Do I care enough to talk to them about that? Because we're dealing with eternal life. Secondly, Jesus says, thus the saying, you're either a sower or a reaper, some of you are both. But if you're a follower of me, you're either a sower, telling people about Jesus, showing people Jesus, or you're a reaper, introducing people to Jesus. Some of you do both. But you do one or the other. Nobody's a spectator. You can't be a follower and be a spectator. You're involved because the satisfaction comes when you take what I've done in your life and you give it away. That's where the satisfaction is. I'm encouraging people in America to, to use the name Jesus five times a day in conversation. And be deliberate about it. Count it. Five times a day. Any way you want to. Any way you want to. With anybody you want to. You'll find it a lot harder. But I just think that the only way people hear the name Jesus these days is when somebody's swearing. And why not let them hear the name Jesus out of love and care? And then finally, he would say to us, oh, and by the way, you don't have to do this alone. You, when, you're, when you're standing with that person, beginning to tell them about what you know about Jesus, I want you to remember that somebody probably has already talk to them that in some way I've been able to tell them some things in some way I've gotten the thought started in some way I've I've began the process with it I am in charge I'm the one that sent you I am the one that's going to work with you and use you in this way and I've set this thing up you're not alone you don't have to think you're absolutely alone sometimes I've talked with people who have never heard about the name of Jesus but they will finally say, but I've always kind of thought there had to be something. Where'd that come from? That's God doing his thing, setting them up so that they now would receive the truth. You won't get to see that as a spectator. But boy, you may be able to experience it the first time you try to share what you know about Jesus. When I close the service, I never know who to use as a story. I got, I got so many wonderful stories out there. This, this uh, let, let me tell you about the, these people right up here in this corner. 
That's, his name is Paulus. When he was 16 years old, his dad, a Muslim, gave him permission to kill a Christian as his 16th birthday. They do that in his country. He didn't know any Christians. He kind of didn't know where to start. So he began to look around to see if he could identify any Christians. He wasn't sure what to look for. He, maybe they carried a big cross or a big Bible. He, he didn't know. There's one kid at school that was really weird. This kid was happy all the time. If somebody didn't bring their food, he would share his food with them. If they dropped their books, he'd be the first one there to pick them up. I mean, he was just helpful, kind, friendly, and he was Paulus' friend. So Paulus said to him one day, do you know any Christians? And the guy says, well, no, I don't think I know any Christians. I know some people who are followers of Jesus, though. Well, who would that be? Well, that, that's me. I'm a follower of Jesus. And Paul said, well, would they call you a Christian? He said, well, I guess in parts of the world they'd call me a Christian, yeah. Well, Paulus didn't want to kill that guy. So he decided he wanted to be like that guy. Gave his life to Christ. This is the man. Whoop, sorry. This is the man who's accountable for two million believers coming to Christ last year in Indonesia. That man right there, Paulus, who at one point at the age of 16 was looking for a Christian to kill. And what have you done with your life? It's a good question I always ask myself with these guys. Let's pray together. We've talked about satisfaction. For some of you, it's kind of rung a bell because you're very dissatisfied with your life right now. You're really dissatisfied with your Christian walk. You kind of feel like a phony. You haven't done anything for God. You've never shared your faith. And you, and you want to today. I'm glad he went through Samaria so that we have this story because this story has maybe brought some energy and excitement to you and you see that there might be an opportunity to live a life of usefulness and making a difference and you want that. Now some of you have already done this but others, this is the day. Now I don't know about you but I want to pray for you as I close this service because this is your day. That's why you're here. No accident that you came today that I'm here that we're doing this story. God's talking to you. I want to pray for you, and I don't know how to do that except to have you stand up so I can pray for you while you're standing. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I got to make a difference in my life. I got to make things different. I'm not doing anything for the kingdom. Zip. I'm building my kingdom, not God's kingdom. And I, I'm not satisfied, and I want that satisfaction of life. And I know now what I'm doing wrong. I got to build his kingdom. I'm scared, I'm nervous, but I want to I wanna do it. And if that's you, I, I'd like to pray for you. Now, I don't want you to stand up because you think you're going to look like a heathen if you don't stand up. I don't want you to stand up because somebody else stands up. I want you to stand up because in your gut, God's saying, it's time. It's time. Let's, let's get going. I got some people that need to know what you know about Jesus. If that's you, let's pray. I'm going to pray for you. Just flip to your feet. Well, some of you beat me to it. Good, good. Anybody else want to stand? 
This is a serious time, folks, because God, God takes you seriously at this. He's going to give you an opportunity. He, he will give you an opportunity. And it might be with a tough person. Scary. But he's with you, and he's, he's faithful. That's the beauty of it. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father, you see these people that are standing. You created them. You made them. You equipped them. You set them up for this day. And here they are. And out of obedience, they're responding to you. Exactly the right thing, Lord. And it must be as exciting as when that woman heard Jesus there at the well. Because now you've got people who want to serve you to do your will and to finish your work. And Lord, in the meantime, you're going to bring such satisfaction to their life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to pray especially for them right now, right now, standing here, that you would fill them with a great sense of your presence and your peace. I pray that right here, standing here, they would feel your presence and your peace in their life right now. May they just bask in that for a moment. I don't want them to ever forget what that feels like because that's what their life's going to be from now on. A great sense of your presence and your peace. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd be very, very direct with them. Show them exactly what you want them to do. And whisper in their ear when the opportunity comes and remind them, this is it. Lord, you are so faithful to us. And your faithfulness endures forever because of your love, overwhelming love. Thank you. Thank you for making our life have meaning. Thank you for giving us a purpose. Bless these who are standing. Bless these who have already made that decision and are not standing but are rejoicing. Bless the missionaries that are here, Lord. Bless us, Lord, as we do your will and finish your work for the glory, the honor, and the praise of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.